Welcome to the Augusta Golf Show podcast. Now, here's John Patrick. Brad Paxson covered the U.S. Open for NBC and Golf Channel last week. It is a pleasure to welcome Brad Paxson back to the Augusta Golf Show. How you doing, Brad? Doing pretty good, John. Um, I uh, took a couple days of rest. I don't know if rest is what I would call it being in New York City, but um, <laughs> we, uh, my wife and I flew here to spend some time with some kids, and now I'm driving up to Hartford to do a little golf channel for the travelers. I'm assuming it'll be a little bit more laid back <laughs> when we get to Hartford this week. <laughs> You know, I, I got the impression from everything you did on television last week, you really liked LACC, did you? Yeah, I was a huge fan. I, I played there several times before. I'm pretty close friends with Gil Hans, who was the mm-hmm. restoration architect, where they really kind of got their first big job at a club like this, and not knowing that this was ultimately going to host a U.S. Open when they got to do the project back in 2010 and 11. Um, you know, the place is spectacular, right in the middle of Century City, um, you know, with all the celebrities around, um, the buildings is the backdrop. Uh, it's, it was remarkable. I thought a very compelling tournament having, you know, a a relatively unknown young player like Wyndham Clark beat Rory down the stretch with Scheffler in tow and a few other, the big names. Um, I thought it really held its own. Did the uh, 62s on Thursday surprise you at all? I think a lot of those scores surprised everyone, and particularly the members at LACC. You know, everybody wants to um, be able to say our our course held up. Um, and it's funny, Thursday morning, early, you know, we had this incessant marine layer, but there was also a little sprinkle of rain. And as most golfers know, the uh, – softening of the conditions can help the best players in the world to hold the ball on the green. It smooths the greens out. It slows them down a little bit. So they're easier to putt. And, you know, two guys shooting 62 that had never been done before. And remarkably, it was the 50th anniversary of Johnny Miller's 63 closing round at Oakmont. Um, It's hard to believe that was 50 years ago, but that had always been the benchmark. Um, you know, what to shoot. He did it, of course, in the final round to win the U.S. Open. And uh, 62 isn't, you know, it's eight under, maybe not as dramatic to win, but I I don't know. I I thought everything firmed up a little bit when the sun came out, and it really, really, it looked good. The players, there was no complaint from anyone except for, are the fairways too wide? And that, I think, is a discussion to have. Mm. Um, you know, Ricky slept on the lead or the co-lead for three nights. How hard is that, even by a player with his resume? Well, I, I say it all the time. I mean, there, there are very few sports, and the only one I can think of is actually the test match in cricket that lasts as long as a golf tournament, particularly a major championship. You know, you go out early and you shoot that good score and you're in the press room and you're constantly thinking about being in the lead or close to the lead. Um, the endurance of that, the mental drain that takes, I, I don't think unless you've done it, people don't understand. Uh, and, you know, Ricky's been playing better golf this year. Um, he's not quite back to full strength, but he had two previous top tens in the tournaments right before the U.S. Open. Uh, I would say there are, 
very few players that have the popularity, the stature that Ricky Fowler has. You know, his Q rating is up there with Rory's and um, Jordan Spieth's. And, you know, he, he set all kinds of record for most birdies at a U.S. Open during the rounds. And as he was making all these birdies, he was making a bunch of bogeys. And I made the comment on air. I said, this is going to be really hard to keep this pace up because as the course toughens on the weekend, it's going to be harder to make birdies. It's going to be easier to make bogeys. And unfortunately, that's that's what happened to Ricky. But I, I think he was pretty satisfied at the end of the week. We're talking with Brad Faxon here on the Augusta Golf Show. USGA wants to make this a test of every facet of a player's game. So what did we learn about Wyndham Clark? What's the strongest facet to his game? Well, if you're talking about particularly on the golf course, he was incredible pitching and chipping the golf ball. It it wasn't just some of the heroics on the last day, but all week long. But on the last day, I can't remember watching a champion that whiffed a shot like he did on the eighth hole. And then he blasted that next shot over the green and chipped it down to a gimme for a, for a remarkable bogey on eight. Then he got up and down on nine using the backboard of the green to have it come back down the hill about 20 feet. And then he did it again on a, on a few other holes in uh, that 17th hole where he was only one shot ahead where he hit a chip shot that looked like it was going in the hole. So uh, that part was, I mean, was outstanding. I think the the mental fortitude he showed, having really never been in contention at a major championship. And, and John, the, the players always have incredible ways of thinking unrealistically. Now, he, he said something about his win at the Wells Fargo in Charlotte you know, a month and a half ago that he felt he had already won a major because the quality of that field and all the elevated events is so strong. He says, look, I've already beat the best field. This doesn't feel any different to me. And I think that's a way of really turning around a way of thinking. Tell me your thoughts about his play, and you have to some degree. Tell me your thoughts about his play on, on Sunday in particular. And and with all of the short game prowess, I assume the second shot on 14 is the shot he'll remember for the rest of his life. Yeah, he drove it perfectly there. That was a par five where if you could get it in the fairway, if you're a long enough hitter, and if you particularly hit a fade, you you would be able to reach that green. And you saw that opening on the left side of the green on Sunday was just about 15 feet. When you're hitting a shot from 265 yards, wind rolling right to left, and you have to cut it into there. Um, on Sunday, I don't know how you could hit a better shot. Um, I know you work with Rory. You're close with Rory. Can you tell when you're broadcasting from in the tower, in the booth, there's something off with his putting? Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, that that's really kind of the dichotomy of being a coach and an, an um, you know, broadcaster at the same time. It's it's hard to criticize that guy that you really are pulling for. It's hard to be um, not biased, but you know he he's going to get attacked for not having a great putting day, 
But I went through his entire round of all putts that he hit, and he was 48 for 49 from inside of seven feet. You know, you're going to remember that one on the eighth hole that he left a little short for eagle and ended up making bogey. I mean, making par. And, you know, every little shot counts. But I'm going to tell him when I see him this afternoon that I thought he putted well. And, you know, even at even if you look at statistically at the numbers, he didn't make a lot of putts. His proximity of the pin wasn't that close. But I, I don't know. This this is, it reminds me a little bit of St. Andrews um, last year when he lost to Cam Smith. It's just it's hard hard on these in these situations. He, I, I'm sure these last few days have been hard for him to sleep. You know. You mentioned St. Andrews, and I've been thinking about this since the tournament. And a couple of things. I thought I thought it was a little different in that he got beat by Cam Smith going out there and shooting an incredible round on Sunday. I thought at, I thought at the U.S. Open he had a really good game plan, and it would have been a great game plan for just about any U.S. Open, except where someone shoots 10 under. You know, maybe he needed to be just a tad more aggressive. Well, that's one thing I'm going to ask him about, particularly on the putting greens, um, what he thinks. Um, Nine under par, Rory's score, would have won every previous U.S. Open except for Kepka's win at Aaron Hills, uh, where I think they were 16 under. Um, Justin Thomas was a one shot back, but I, I think that, I mean, Rory's got to look at this stuff and, and say, Hey, look, your time is coming. You know, you're going to win another one of these things. In your mind, Brad, what's easier to put behind you, uh, a tough ball striking week or a tough putting week? Uh, he had amazing putting numbers the first three days. And just you know a little bit off on on Sunday. I I think it depends on the player. You know, if if your strongest part of your game fails you, that's when I think that bothers you more. Mm. You know, his tee to green week was spectacular. Um, some of that is caused, you know, by the the enduring pressure. I don't I don't know. I I don't know that he was that nervous. Um, I, I think, and sometimes you just got to take the hat off to the guy in front of you. I mean, he, he made that spectacular par on 17 and 18. Um, you know, Rory, Rory parred the last four holes, mm-hmm. and, and those holes were playing a combined one over par. So, I mean, he, he did a lot of good things. That's, I'm going to, I'm just going to remind him that. You mentioned nerves. Are, do you subscribe to? The philosophy that leaving putts short is a sign of nerves? Yeah, I mean, longer putts, you know, I talk about when players are told they have good touch, they, you know, they seem to get those fast putts close to the hole, those big breaking fast putts, that that's great touch, but it also great touch is being able to hit a 60-foot putt uphill close to the hole. I mean, the, the field goes in both directions, up and down the hills, and people sometimes forget that when you have to hammer a putt after you've been hitting all these beautiful lag putts. Um, 
And yeah, I think, um, you know, you, you, I think guys lose their speed control when they get nervous more than their directional control. Do you get a sense that this is just the beginning for Wyndham Clark? Well, it sure seems like it. I mean, he's on a high right now. He's one big uh, at Wells Fargo. Uh, he's got a gorgeous-looking golf swing and tons of power. And, you know, like you saw, it's a lot of his, his tee shots that he hit, he likes to fade the ball. And it's bordering on slice on a few holes, uh, particularly the last hole when you saw that ball start to cut. You go, ooh, this may not end up in the fairway. And it luckily stayed in was close to a 60-yard wide fairway, or that would have been a much different second shot into that green. He is Brad Paxson, covers the game for NBC and for Golf Channel, and uh, you're always gracious, Brad, when I pick up the phone, text you, and you say yes. I know you're driving. i got to get you back to driving. Thank you very much for doing this, Brad. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure, John. Nice being with you.